Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you my friend, Dan Rather. We're so excited to be podcasting from the Hamptons International Film Festival. We always love to come here. It's probably one of our very favorites. And I also want to introduce Bill Hartz, who is a movie aficionado, and Melissa Cohn. We just started talking about film, and we asked them to join us to podcast about the opening movie from the festival, Truth, which is all a buzz. There's so much to say about it. So first of all, welcome, you guys. Welcome, so Bill and here. Melissa. Thanks Thank you. Thanks, so much. Thanks for coming. We had to laugh because after Truth ended, there were two, uh, two quotes that came came out of the movie. And the first one was Dan Rather was at the, uh, at the premiere. And he said that everything about truth is very accurate, which did make some of us laugh because you can't be more than, you can't be very accurate. You could be accurate or inaccurate, but it's fair to be very accurate. But CBS's answer to that was that nothing in truth has any accuracy. So, so the truth must lie somewhere between the two. But to introduce the movie, it's about the recanted 60-minute story on George Bush's National Guard service, which actually they were running a few months before his second term election. So it was a really, really pivotal moment. And they re it ended with um, with Mary, uh, Mary Mapes resigning, or she actually was fired, and then Dan Rather resigned and it ended his career uh, at a very, very difficult time for him. So she was his producer. She was his producer, and, it, and she produced for him a lot and they had a very, very intimate relationship, exactly. So that's what the movie's about. And before we get into anything else, did you guys like it? No. You didn't? Really? I did not. No. Oh my I gosh. I would say about three quarters of the way through, I was basically ready to leave. And if it weren't at a film festival, I probably would have. <laughs> um, you know, overall, the film, it, it struck me, as, I, I hate to use this kind of analogy, but it struck me as a cross between All the President's Men and the Mary Tyler Moore Show. <laughs> Both, yeah. both, uh, both um, uh, shows about about uh, newsroom uh, and and about investigative journalism, and obviously the first one with Robert the younger, much younger, much much younger Robert Redford, and the second one with a, a young Mary Tyler Moore, obviously the the plucky car, news correspondent, and and uh, Kate Blanchett as well go into later reminded me nothing more of that young plucky Mary Tyler Moore <laughs> I thought it was uh, uh, totally inappropriate for this role unbelievable and to O'Toole sitting there shaking her head yes but wait I applaud Bill Summer I think that was beautifully said oh, in fact I might just go for coffee and just let Bill take my microphone okay well, but there's always the other side of the coin <laughs> and you know what I actually didn't hate the movie and I enjoyed it because I remember when this actually happened and it brought back that history to me. So whether or not Kate Blanchett was, you know, appropriate in her role, it was reliving something that we actually really went through. And, you know, it's very interesting to go back and look at other people's perspectives of what happened a number of years ago and how people interpret it today. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I totally understand where Bill's coming from and he's absolutely right from that literal point of view, but I, did not wish to leave 
And really? I, I didn't remember it as well as Melissa did. So for me, it was sort of a reminder of what happened. And then also, I didn't do my homework beforehand. And I didn't realize it was based on a book that Mary wrote. But I kept saying to myself during the whole thing, I'm sure Mary wrote this book because she <laughs> looks fabulous and everybody else looks like dog do. Well, <laughs> one thing that I thought was very telling is that Mary Mapes used to wear her trench coat with the belt tied in the back. And when Kate Blanchett did, I'm serious. When Kate Blanchett did that last night, it really brought the whole story back home. Huh? And but wait, didn't you wear your trench coat back then? I wore my trench coat with the with the uh, tied in the back, didn't you? Yeah, but I was never involved with Dan Rather, so no one really noticed. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Well, okay, since you bring up Mary Mapes's book. Um, let me ask you just an overarching question, all of you. Do you think it was better suited as a book than as a movie? Interesting. Because I don't think it was a very cinematic story the way they chose to tell it. So I think it definitely picked up, but I would say maybe the first third at least of the movie had a lot of story structure flaws. And they made it about documents, which is not a very visual subject. I agree with you. I actually think this is probably better in a book where you can just go through the factual history of what happened without having to dramatize it, you know, to put it on screen and, you know, have a little five-year-old son sitting in the background while she's on the phone screaming. And, you know, it didn't, the personal part didn't really add to the movie mm -hmm. and, you know, it what actually happened is a really fascinating and and you know extraordinary uh, piece of journalism and, and of watching you know CBS coming back and, and lashing out, knowing that perhaps they made the mistake and they allowed it, but that they were bigger than anyone else was. So you know they were kowtowing to much larger forces and and not paying attention to the people that were actually involved and how important it was to them. And she was really never actually found to have done anything that was wrong. And she still stands by this story today. Um, and you have to give credence to that. Well, you know, I looked it up when we got home last night. And she did do a couple of things. Like, for example, they show in the movie that she had to edit it down and she didn't have much time to do it. So what did she choose to remove? And she chose to remove things like there were people who said that George Bush at the time told them he really wanted to go fly in Vietnam and fight in Vietnam. And she removed all of that because he had checked the box that said he didn't want to go overseas when he signed up, which by the way would have been two years before we were even speaking about. It. So the things she removed, she really, there was some culpability there about what she took out um, and what she edited. And it was so funny because I realized in the movie, they had that same editing issue. It's a long movie. It was mm -hmm. two hours. It's a very good point, Hollister. It's the same thing, which I had to make, I kept thinking about during the whole thing, was the movie's called Truth. And is there truth in that movie? For sure there is, and for sure there isn't. Okay, and the whole issue that night on 60 Minutes was, is this truthful or isn't it? You know, and what's what's the responsibility? You know, do you remember when it happened, Bill? Were you around? Do you remember all that? I do remember, yeah. yeah. Speaking about the cinematic premise about this. I thought that the direction left a lot to be desired. And, and, and that sort of goes to what you were saying, you know, that it seemed like very choppy in a lot of places, yes. things yeah. didn't really flow together, mm -hmm. almost like, almost like a series of TV shots or scenes that were sort of spliced together in mm -hmm. sort of a jumbled way. And I think as the film went on, it got worse and worse. And, and that's why the really? last, the last half hour I thought was 
huh. all over the place. Well, it's so interesting because this was the directorial debut of James Vanderbilt, who wrote oh, the Spider-Man movies. And it was very interesting that it was directed by somebody with a screenwriting background because I did think it was very choppy, as you say. And it's funny, the very opening scene was an aerial shot, but it was static. And I thought, oh, maybe that's where he left Spider-Man, was up on top of that skyscraper, and he's still <laughs> looking for him. <laughs> he could still be there. And then we came into a very static shot of Kate Blanchett in a waiting room. And I thought, movies are supposed to move. You haven't sucked me in yet, so you're, you're kind of risking losing me at the get-go. And then I see, you know, her madcap hair and her mascara, and um, too much she, makeup. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, she just yeah, walked what was in. That hair? Why did they keep doing well, that? They I did it in Ricky and the Thing. Too Ricky and the Flash. Hair. I know there's a, a hair well, crease going on. Home. Mary Mapes did have curly hair. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it was as wild. Well, was almost trying to make her look sexy. like she was a little bit ADD crazy. Well, she was so know? neurotic, and there she is asking for a glass of water so she can pop a Xanax and have a cocktail. And I thought, oh, she just walked in from Blue Jasmine. She's fresh off Woody Allen's <laughs> set, and she's equally <laughs> neurotic. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, now they've risked even more because it's static and she's neurotic, and you haven't made me bond with her yet. I, I so. agree. I think that the opening was actually very sort of it was very much of an unknown. It's like, where is this movie going to take me? And who as is opposed she? to get exactly and as opposed to introducing her and what she was in the middle of and, and even introducing the piece that she did just before for which she won the Peabody. I yes. mean there's so mm -hmm. much more to her that wasn't said and the introduction was not a positive one. And I wasn't clear who the man was she was talking to. I thought, is he an attorney or is she applying for another job? Well, I think that was supposed to be yeah. that way. Like I thought she was applying for a job. I think we all did. I thought it was the FBI. It was, it was, a, it was a flash forward. Exactly. Right? Yeah, but I but, think they were, oh, we tricked you, gotcha. I think you know? did you notice that then, you know, they, they flash back and you meet the characters of Dennis Quaid and the rest of the news team. But then later in the movie, she introduces who those characters are and you flash back further where you realize Dennis Quaid was in the military. And now he's in a uniform, and now they type his name underneath him. And I'm thinking, why are you introducing the characters now when you've already presented them on the screen? This, the you order. Know, the, of there was screen. another uh, another example of that with the 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 young kid who was the I guess one of the researchers. Oh, Topher Grace. Topher Grace, who and, was and, in in the company of men with Dennis Quaid. So they okay. just walked in off that set. You know, at some point in the movie, now uh, now we're, we're expected to believe that this they're working as a team to uncover this. Mm -hmm. This, uh, this this plot or, or this dark history around uh, the president, and they've been working together as a team. They're flying all over the country. And then right in the middle of that, he walks up to uh, Robert Redford's character, Dan yeah. Rather, and says, I just want to introduce myself. Uh -huh. and, and, exactly. and he's like, wait a minute. These guys, they've been working together for at least uh -huh. weeks, maybe months. How is he first... Right. It it, uh -huh. it it was a similar kind of thing. Very disjointed. You know the stakes that his whole career could rest on the research of this team, but he doesn't know what their names are, you know? Yes. 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 It's fairly impossible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I well, wait a minute. You guys are way totally wrong. She, <laughs> he didn't have a job. She gave him a job. He hadn't met him yet. He'd never worked with Brother. Don't you remember earlier? Yes, but we were well into yeah, the movie. By the time they were on the plane, they were, they yes. were already Oh, well you think there's a lot of time to yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. Okay. Yeah, I think that the, the time capsule yeah. was presented yeah. in the very... Five weeks. Uh, it was supposed to be five right, weeks. But it, it made it feel that it was actually much longer and you sort mm -hmm. of couldn't understand sometimes where you were. I mean, I think that I gave them a lot of leeway because I found that story and what happened to be really fascinating to me. 
So I just tried to get caught up in sort of what I felt were to be factual details and, and be living it. And I enjoyed that. And, you know, but that doesn't take away from the flaws. Did you want, you don't want to leave halfway through. No, I was ready to I, stay. Yeah. Except I saw Bill Boyd like, leaning <laughs> over the side of his chair. Did you like their use in the film of layering in real footage? I thought it was excellent. I think they had to because yeah. they were doing such a real event. But it's something where I think it would have um, been best served as a book and then maybe as a documentary because you could have done the whole thing with really interesting interviews with the characters right, involved. Right, exactly. The characters themselves well, could have actually yeah. talked about their here? part of it. And they're all still with us. Dan Rather, you could interview Dan Rather who made a career out of interviewing others. It doesn't have to be Robert Redford playing someone who was with us for so many decades on air. Would you have liked it better, Bill, if it were a documentary? Hard to say. Um, I mean, they they obviously took some liberties with the story to make it more dramatic and to make it more interesting. Although, you know, even given all that artistic freedom, you I, I still found myself waiting for some moment of, ten, of drama and tension. And it just didn't seem to be there. I know it's too little, too late. I love what Bill just brought up because even though I'm not sure this was best suited as a film, you certainly could have made it far more dramatic. So the first scene where I really felt dramatic tension was the character played brilliantly by Noni Hazelhurst, who was Bill Burkett's wife. You loved her. I loved her. And when she came in and Kate Blanchett said to her, how's Bill? And she looked her dead in the eye. And again, for the rest of the characters, it was a very static scene. They were slouched on a sofa. If I'm watching a movie, I don't want to see four people slouched on a sofa. But she looks Kate Blanchett in the eye and says, you know, how dare you? You know he's not well. You knew he wasn't well when you asked him to do this. Very powerful. Yeah, it was. It was like watching two boxers in a ring. But, you know? but you know, it, it, it even more so, I mean, it made me wonder, where has this woman been for the rest yes. of the film? <laughs> yes. She had this, yes. you know, amazing mm -hmm. scene where she, I agree with you. She was really, she really hit the ball out of the park. Mm -hmm. But that was it. You know, no, she really had very little introduction to them when she came in. You sort of had to remember back to the one scene of the restaurant where you know they talked about and it. She and, didn't want you. Know, she was afraid. And she was afraid yeah. and she didn't want to do it, and she mm -hmm. didn't want to expose herself and her husband to uh, public scrutiny. Right. And you know, it was promised that it wouldn't happen, and then it happened, and then it was you know, it was powerful. But I agree, it wasn't really managed or introduced properly. Let's remember a scene that short can win an Academy Award as That's in... Right. Beatrice Strait and Network. It brought up many similar themes in terms of TV delivering news versus ratings. Is it really a for-profit vehicle? Should it be run by the company they're reporting on? Exactly. There's a, there, there were conflicts of interest through the whole thing, which was what was so funny. You know, I am always commenting on the titles for films. They really irk me if they don't get it right. I, this title kept coming to me during the movie, and I thought it was beautifully done because there is no truth. There is zero truth in the world. Whatever is your truth is not my truth, and it's all based on your own POV or point. You know, well, it's, you know, your perception exactly. is reality. Exactly. And I think that you know, a hundred people could have sat in that movie last night and come out with a hundred different opinions. I will say we're in the Hamptons, so we're in Wall Street. You know, Wall Street weekend groups, <laughs> and everybody there was about ready to jump up and cheer. Because, you know, uh, there's a very, very strong sort of democratic point of view in that theater. And you could, it was palpable. I'm not sure this is going to play so well in some of the other areas of the country. 
maybe again not for political reasons but just for cinematic reasons even the music i thought was very melodramatic and i thought the whoever did the score was trying to make up for the conflict that was missing in the screenplay yeah. Yeah. which set the music over the top and it just seemed like so much of it was sort of throwaway dialogue and, and throwaway scenes and the one that sticks with me is you know at one crucial point where they've been building the store they've been building their case and, and they're they're finding different things and 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 all of a sudden Kate Blanchett you know swings open a door to an office and yes. says we got it and, 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 and I'm thinking it's Mary Tyler Moore she got it she got the story and, and she lost her hat she lost her hat that's why her hair is so messy come to you later or did you have that in the movie theater it was actually while I was sitting there I said it's Mary Tyler Moore obviously she's you know, trying to be dramatic, but but that's just how it came across. It was almost like a throwaway. Oh, we got it. I'm thinking, come on. Let's move on a little bit to some of the actors. Now, um, now we have to start with Redford. Okay, up close and personal. Yeah. He played a newscaster who lost his job because of being accused of bad reporting, but in truth, he hadn't done bad reporting. And I felt like you could take the scenes that he was in and plant them back and forth. Did anybody see up close and personal? I applaud you for knowing that was the plot of the movie. I just remember him and Michelle Pfeiffer on a beach. <laughs> that was so not what that movie was about. That and the theme song. That's my yeah. two takeaways from okay. up close and personal. So Redford knows how to play that role because he's already played it, but did anybody think they should have dyed his hair so he looked more like Dan Rather? Or is that me I, being a jerk? I, I think Mr. Redford should really not be playing these roles. <laughs> I, he's, I'm sorry, he's he's too old. I think audiences and will see Robert him. Redford. It's he very hard to watch Robert Redford. But he, actually, well, he could have been, been Olivier. But At he, that age, you can't... But he is Dan Rather's age. No, he's not. He's no. 10 years old, 15 years older. He is? Rather was 72. Redford's in his 80s. No, he's 79. Okay, so so what, so what? did you think Redford played it well? I think he gave it his best shot. Um... No, I think by the end of the movie, I was sort of more in the groove with him being rather, because I had been watching him as Dan Rather for two hours. Why didn't they dye his hair? I don't get it. I think you can't take Robert Redford out of Robert Redford. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's hard to see Robert Redford playing another well-known character, not a fictional character, because he is who he is, and I don't think that he is very good at being malleable and actually being able to take on other people's personalities. So if the movie took place in 2004, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Uh, rather was 73. But I'm surprised he was 73 and still well, how working. How old do you think he was? I, I thought he, I, I would think CBS would have some retirement age. I mean, Walter Cronkite, I think, retired when he was in his early 70s. Redford so. was born in 36. So Redford's 79. Okay, then he's six years older. Yeah, he's a little... I don't know. I the problem. I, I think the problem for for Mr. Redford is that his face has, is craggy. And well, he's been on the he's been on the ranch for many years. And right. Dan Rather was in a first class section oh, of the airplane, and then right. he was in the boat, and then he was in the right. woods. <laughs> anyway, I had a hard time. Right, we're always so used to seeing Dan Rather with all of his makeup on, yeah. and, you know, looking picture perfect. Yeah, you're so right. I had having a hard any time. Craggy doesn't look good on that yeah. role. Did he? I, I had a hard time picturing yeah. Redford in the role, and also I think. Redford's his timing is a little bit off, and you know he's just not quite where he was. And what do you think of Blanchett? <sighs> Better. I mean, I, I wouldn't not exactly 
you know, Oscar caliber, but, but, I, uh, I agree totally. And what I, what I usually do when I think, eh, okay, but not great is I usually say, okay, so-and-so would have been great. I didn't have anybody for the role. Did yeah. You? I, I have no other person that I think that would have been appropriate in that role. Um, it's kind of a thankless role. Not as thankless as Elizabeth Moss's. I'm not even sure why oh she was in God. the movie. She's why such a good actress. Did she and have they ten gave lines nothing. in the whole movie? Maybe. I don't think. If this had been her first part, I'm not sure she would have gotten a she second part. You know what? I, I, that was the best scene. <laughs> the answer to that is clear, you guys. I can't believe that I am going to come up with this. You know, I am I am on the edge of my seat, Hollister. The answer to that is because of who else was in it. She wanted to work with that team. But Elizabeth is emerging. Look at the team she was working with. Kate Blanchett. Robert Redford, Dennis Quaid, uh, help me out here. Stacy Keach. Oh, he's one of the colonels, right? Didn't you play one of the colonels? I, I didn't pick that you up. You know, that completely went past me. I didn't recognize him. Me too. He's been, he's been MIA. He's been very busy for a while. Yeah, he played Bill Burkett in the movie. I mean, he was very, actually very good. Now that I know who he fantastic. was. Fantastic. And when he first appeared on the American acting scene, they said he's not just a star, he's a constellation. I mean, he was considered by many to be the greatest well, that's, American Well, that's the answer to why, why I admire everything because he does a lot. I, I, I said the same thing. I'm watching him thinking, why are you in this movie? And then I thought, because you want to be with these people. When you have that gifted of a cast, I wish they'd given them some dramatic moments where they confronted each other, as opposed to telling somebody else about a document or looking at a phone ring that's not getting picked up. I want to see the confrontation in person. I was tired of that one. No, mm -hmm. I want to see mm -hmm. somebody watching, listening to the message after the phone. I wanted to see the guy staying there listening to the message. So who was more important to this story, Mary Mapes or Dan Rather? I think there was a lot of Dan Rather in it because you know she was working to protect him and it was his story and I don't think he was given as much credit as being the one that actually took the story, went with it. You know, in the end, many of them all were let go and Dan Rather was one of the few that really uh, retired in grace. Best line in the movie? F.E.A. <laughs> For me, the line of the, of the movie was when I forget his name. Who's the who's the guy who uh, who uh, Robert Redford went up to and said, um, oh, the kid? Yeah. "Why did you get into this business?" Yeah, the, said, yeah, the best line in the you. movie for sure is, you know, "Why did you get into journalism?" Why did you get into journalism? Curiosity. Why did you get into it? You. As silly as that was and expected, Bill's <laughs> making that nice faces. How dramatic. <laughs> But in a way, it, Dan Rather, some of these people were, in essence, you know, very, very, very moving to young people coming up going into journalism, which then has to lead us to how many people, raise your hands, thought about Brian Williams during this film? I, I definitely thought about it. I did, too. Maybe I'm the only one who took this away, but I found myself wondering if maybe Rather left her hanging out to dry a little bit at some point. Um, at because, some point, at the whole second half. Maybe, well, yeah, or, or the last third, depending on how you split it up. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's sort of like, you know, he's a father figure, and she's like his daughter, and da 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 I mean, you almost expected her to, like, crawl up in his lap. That At one point, she almost does. Uh, and, and then at the end, it's like, you know, listen, honey, you better watch out for yourself. Here's, he, here's a lawyer to no, call. No, it was you know? worse than that. It was worse than that, Bill. He said to her... Everybody has to take care of himself now and hands her a card of a lawyer, meaning I can't fix, I'm not going to do this for you. You know, don't you wonder if, you know, I was I like, wonder if that was in the book. Like, did she, did she know. roll over on him in the book that I, I, I was, 
questioning that. And has Mary Mapes issued a statement about well, how she it feels was about her the book, movie? So obviously she's going to approach it her way. Well, obviously she's going to approach it not even her way, but the way that makes her look the best she can look. I mean, she's never worked again, which you've got to believe. At all or just in TV news? In TV news. And he's working. He has he a, a show. Yeah. I mean, it's on a, a cable network, but he's yeah. working. He could have hired her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really interesting point, that really they are no longer really, yeah. working together, and there must have been a much yeah, greater way, divide than, than anyone was made to think of in the movie. Even mm -hmm. as self-servingly as she presented this, her story, I think it was a very self-serving way to present the story. She should have shown that she did make some mistakes. I am waiting. I am waiting the whole film for her to say, you know what, I am culpable. I'm a journalist, and here's three places I should have dug deeper, but there's enough without that. She never, ever accepted one ounce of responsibility. And I'm in business, as everybody knows, in marketing and strategy, and every time I'll sit down with a client and say, look, all you have to do is say you're sorry. And there's no but at the end of I'm sorry. There's no I'm sorry but. There's she's, so, she's like a lot of people who don't, you know, who believe that, you know, I'm perfect and I don't need to apologize. And, you know, to me that brings them down in my opinion of them and, and respect for them because, yeah, we all do make mistakes. And, you know, saying I'm sorry or saying it wasn't your fault, you know, would have gone a long way. I happen to leave. Perhaps it's just in the character because remembering back to the real story that she was so completely, so defensive that you wondered what was she hiding. Yeah, totally, totally. I know, especially here in the U.S., the press has such an interesting role as the fourth estate where they wield so much power and you realize that our government did give away all these broadcast channels for free to the press. So, yes, it's a very principled okay. position to take that you're upholding democracy, but they trumpet this so much. That is true. They don't really question, are they doing good? Are they doing evil? Are they really not biased? The truth is, she didn't really apologize to him because you can work with somebody for 20 years and they make a bit, she did make some mistakes mm -hmm. and he never, ever, he, she should have said, I just want to say, Dan Rather's worked with me so long that when I tell him I have it and I give him three examples of how I have it, he believes me because we've worked together this long. This has nothing to do with him. She should have publicly made that statement. I would have. Poor people who are not totally enamored by this film. We certainly had a lot of things to say about what we thought about it, which is interesting. Now, trivia question. Where do you think this film was shot? And if you already know, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> It didn't look, the overhead shots actually didn't look like New York, but they probably were. Australia. Oh, really? And guess why? Cheaper? Because Kate Blanchett wanted to be near her family. Now, can I just say, why would she wield that power? Because I really think Michelle Pfeiffer, from up close and personal, would have been better in the role. You know, so, you found someone. so they actually, all those actors flew to Australia so Kate could be near her family, which, by the way, is so perfect for that character. <laughs> Very selfish. <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, very, very true. Most people who've been reported on in the press say that those reports contain factual errors. It happens, and it's frustrating because, you know, you have to be accurate. When you make a mistake, it's a big mistake. Remember, reporters don't have to come back to you and actually fact check. Mm -hmm. You know, they have the ability and the license to say whatever they want, print whatever they want, and tough luck. Exactly. One of the subplots of the movie uh, is uh, there's a little bit of philosophy thrown in there about how, oh, the days of 
investigative journalism and television news are really coming to an end and you know no one's spending money on it anymore because you can just report on what the next guy said and a, a lot of sort of sturm and drawn about about you know about how none of these people are going to have jobs at some point and and maybe it was a little bit uh uh you know prophetic i mean they 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 you know this was in 2004 um and look what's happened to journalism in the in the 10 or 11 years since then good point um, yeah so you know i i have to tell you i don't think that's the relevant point i think the relevant point is that people look at journalism and news and they take it as fact, you know, and with no fiction. And the mistake is in the viewer, not in the news people. Because the truth is people are human beings and they're always going to make mistakes and you have to evaluate your opinion based on more than Dan Rather getting up on 60 Minutes for 20 minutes. I love 60 Minutes and I watch 60 Minutes and then I have to remind myself afterward that I better go do a little more due diligence because there's always a point of view in 60 Minutes, always. Mm -hmm. Even on the Mandy Patinkin piece that I love, there was a point of view. There's, there's a point of view in everything because someone, exactly. a human being is writing that and we read it. You know, right so when I'm in the news, my expectation is not, and when my clients are in the news, my expectation in theirs is not that the guy's gonna get it right. It's That's that already sad to me, Hollister. It is very sad, but it's also human. It's human. You can't take that out. True, but when there are factual errors, even, yeah. um, it's very interesting because many other countries have something called the right of reply. So if somebody writes about you or broadcasts about you in the news, you automatically have the right of reply. Is the reply the right of reply mean you get to have as much time as they did? Not in every country, but in some you do, wow. and it has to be. They have to print it or publish it quickly after they've published about you, huh. and it is. It's amazing the power of our press here that they can quote unnamed sources. They wield a lot of power. Can they can you imagine if we had the ability to do that? There would be we no do. time. We do have the ability. <laughs> yeah. Every blogger in the world has the ability to write whatever they yeah. want, and mm -hmm. and it could be in response to something else or not. Mm -hmm. But there's so many people in this country that don't go to read blogs. Mm -hmm. Um, but the internet has made it more democratic because when you think about this story with Dan Rather, it was really the bloggers that attacked the CBS reporting. Okay, and by the way, can we just at least end with the fact that CBS, shame on you. You know what? The buck stops at the top. And if somebody in my company, we have more than 100 people working for my company, if somebody makes a mistake, I never, ever say anything other than it's my responsibility and I will fix it and it will never happen again. And of course, it sometimes does happen again, but point being... <laughs> How dare they send people out to dry like this? It really is outrageous. And I know all the networks do it. And, we, you know, you had Brian Williams who, um, you know, that's a different thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> can I, but can I just say, but that's a great point. And it led me to believe that more happened there than was than exactly. she wrote in the book. Yeah. Right? In other words, I don't think that CBS would hang people out to dry. In fact, um, I think there have been instances, weren't there instances where, where they stood behind Edward R. Morrow? Right, Murrow was under attack, and the network stood behind him. And I think with Cronkite also uh, during the Vietnam War era. Well, if this were so, a movie, the guy would turn to you, Bill, and say, "And this guy is no Edward R. Murrow." <laughs> but but the point is that that uh, there must I, I I felt like there was more that she didn't reveal yeah. in the in her book, and then it, that made its way to the movie that caused CBS to summarily yep. terminate her. And could be wrong, but listen, you know, she's writing the book. She, you, know, those who write, you know, when you write your own book, you can say whatever you want.
You can, isn't that funny? And I think they picked this film the same reason that Melissa and I were really excited about it during it, or we certainly sit on the side of the table that liked it better than the two of you, and that is, it was nice to go back to that moment in time that you'd sort of forgotten and be reminded of it all if you could make sure you had in your mind that this was so one-sided and it wasn't about the truth. And even when they tried to introduce the other side, for example, when the paparazzi show up at Kate Blanchett's house, right. when her little boy says, who are all those guys in the garden with the cameras? And then you I see- I actually remember watching that on the news though. I remember watching- Oh, that scene. Oh, really? See, oh, that exact okay. same scene was actually on the news where she was peering out the window with her son and then panicked and had the husband came running in and closed the curtains. Which added to the <laughs> melodrama as opposed to the drama, because even one other scene that was factual. It, it was factual. It was factual. That's true. But as a narrative film, um, one other scene bothered me, and that was when we first are introduced to the relationship between Kate Blanchett's character and Robert Redford's character when they all go out to dinner with Dennis Quaid, and she's kind of ribbing him about how he used to end his broadcast with the word courage, and I thought they're trying to show me the dynamic between the two of them, but I find that she's kind of making fun of him, as opposed to showing a paternal relationship oh, or whatever that relationship was supposed to be. He actually did it. Uh -huh. I thought that was she was mocking him. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she was mocking no, him. So then, totally went over my head. But to me, that was the first scene where I saw them together. And I thought, oh, there's a mocking relationship, as opposed to um, a scene where I felt just pure humor or jest. Now, see, if they had titled this film Mary's Truth, I would have stomached it much better because for me I'm insulted that somebody gets to put out something that's really only one person's opinion about an entire major major piece of our history because it would have changed the election if that had not been recanted I think it would have greatly affected his ability to get reelected and I think that that's a really important point to mention thank you Jordan. and yet CBS had the power to broadcast it in the first place yeah with you would broadcast something that could bring down a presidential election five weeks before the election with five days to vet it? I've but never heard of I such think a when thing. When you think about the power yeah. of the press in America, they're the ones who call elections. Yeah. They announce who's the next president, and the presidents all watch the returns on their TV. Yeah, it's it's a lot of power. It shows you just how political the world is. You know, it, it, you're reminding me of a scene toward the end where, uh, I forget his name now, the young actor. Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Uh, is getting fired or he's asked to leave the building and and all of a sudden out of the middle of nowhere he launches into this long speech <laughs> yes. about how cbs and the government are in bed together yep. and the bushes and, and and viacom and he starts dragging in all these different corporate entities and and you know this is his pretty much 95 percent of all his lines in the yep. movie and they all they, it was almost as if the director said Oh, we forgot to let him act for a while. Okay, let's stick him in this scene, and he can he can just go vent for about it's so five true. minutes. There were, there were other characters where there were they were not given the opportunity to have a moment of shine throughout the movie, and they basically had their own little mini scenes, but really were not a participant in the substance of the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, but the other thing is, should real life history like that be able to be put out as a as a as a is is it a narrative? Or is it, what is it? You know, should it be a docudrama? But sadly, I find all these lines are blurring so much. Is news still purely news or is it entertainment? I think news is People Magazine at this yes. point. And to Bill's earlier point about the commercialism of broadcast news, when Robert Redford playing Dan Rather said, as a point of pride, 60 Minutes was the first news program to ever turn a profit. I'm assuming he's proud of that because it meant people were watching. 
but he linked it to profit as well. It became a corporate program. There were jobs. Everyone was their job, and they wanted to make money. I'm glad you mentioned mentioned broadcast news. I mean, if you want a good drama about the investigative journalism space, I mean, there's all the president's men, there's uh, broadcast news, there's broadcast news. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot about this space that's been done really well. This movie newsroom. just doesn't How about circuit I was about to mention newsroom. newsroom. I love Newsroom yeah, because it basically, it made you understand what was really going on oh my God, in the news the today this and movie, how things would come in and they would take you also saw both they would get this ratings movie, and make money. This movie cried tickets. out for Aaron Sorkin. Yes, it did. <laughs> it really well, did. by the way, I think every movie, I mean, Aaron Sorkin <laughs> to me is the best writer of movies and television in, in the world He's today. terrific. Yeah, and why wouldn't you open the festival, guys? Okay, don't take away our press passes. But why wouldn't you open the festival with Steve Jobs? But there are a lot of a lot of movies and a lot of things around the arena of news. Yeah, and with cable news, by the way, news changed anyway. Now, okay, no, with and with the internet. Yes, I think mm-hmm. that was right. really the right. driving right. force of changing news right. because I have the ability. I sit all day watching what's going on in the financial world, and as I see it as it happens, so. By the time I get home and I want to watch the 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock news, I mean, I know all about it and I don't want to hear about it again because I've read about it 20 times. Which does put pressure on broadcasting quicker than you would have before you what checked all the facts. It's all about car accidents and, you know, who killed no, or, who. Or even worse, it's about what's being blogged about. <laughs> yes. It's true. I mean, right. half They're the news stories right. They're are... reading the news. Half the news stories on, on broadcast news now are... Uh, uh, YouTube videos or, you know, oh, wait, quotes they, from somebody's they blog. That. They addressed it in the they movie. Did. They said, you know, hey, remember she said, oh, he's reporting on us reporting mm-hmm. and now someone's going to be reporting on him, you know, which is exactly what you're saying. But I think it's fair to turn the investigative lens on the journalists themselves the same way they do on everybody else. But it does exculpate the journalists because talk about a decline of standards. Then whatever somebody's reported, when you report on what someone else has reported, again, there's no duty to investigate the underlying facts because you're just reporting on a story that's been broadcast by They're somebody else. They're just trying else. to sell, you know, viewership and trying to make money and get more money for their commercials, and that really has become the, the bottom line these days. It is a fascinating culmination to a long and storied career by Dan Rather because I, I will give the movie credit for that when they said that his career started out that he was reporting on the assassination of JFK, and you realize how much journalism changed over the decades. I miss the old news. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. You know, we'll end with that. We miss the old news. We love the Hamptons Film Festival. We've already seen three movies. We're certainly seeing three more before the end of today. And thank you guys for being here thank with us. Thank you, you guys. Yeah, really, really happy to Thanks have you. It's been fun. Thank yeah, you very much. Great job. That was fun. I have to go back.